There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 18th, 2010. For newcomers, I always suggest you look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. It's important that you bookmark all the other sites I have up there because I'm getting trouble, big trouble, with a lot of the servers right now. And uh, there seems to be some sort of concentrated effort and concerted effort amongst them to get me off the air, basically, or get my sites off, for sure. So if I get trouble uploading, which I do, by the way, they put a choke on the main comm site, and I can upload only at 40%, regardless of the speed, they cut me down to 40%. So it takes two or three times longer to, to upload just to that one site. And they say it's within their legal entitlements to do so, and all this stuff, because they write the rules as you go along, obviously, and depending on who you are. So if you bookmark the other sites there, hopefully for a while, you'll be able to get the latest shows for download from the alternate sites. While you're at it, remember that I don't get financed by the advertisers. The ads on this show have got nothing to do with. It's paid by advertisers straight to RBN. That pays for the airtime, pays for their staff and equipment, their bills and so on, and the transmission of the show. So you, the listeners, go into my sites, see what I have for sale. The books and CDs and discs, that's all I trickle by on. And I don't have time to churn out more stuff, really, because this is more than a full-time occupation, and it's certainly not a job. And uh, I wouldn't pick it for a vocation either, or something that you loved. It's something that has to be done at this time, and that's why I've come out and given all this information out to try and wake a lot of people up. And I seem to be successful in doing so, so much so that I say that different authorities, including... The, the satellite for upload of cutback speed as well. And uh, that doesn't happen if you're just churning out the usual stuff. Whatever I'm saying or saying it in such a way is getting through to people and giving them shortcuts to the higher realities uh, as opposed to the conditioned reality that they've been born into. So you can pay a member from the U.S. to Canada in order uh, by using PayPal for Ordering and donating, just send a separate email for the, for the order. Yeah, personal check is good from the US to Canada and international postal money order from the US to Canada is good as well. Cash is accepted and, uh, same across the rest of the world. You gotta wire it through Western Union or use PayPal for donating or for purchasing with separate email. Western Union, uh, MoneyGram and cash again is acceptable. So far. So that's that part over with really. But you gotta keep me going because as I say, it costs me money as I fight this. That's why there's so many websites up there as I've had trouble with them all in the past. Now generally this time of year, even though you're unlimited disk space, they hammer me with the, the fact is, well, unlimited doesn't mean unlimited disk space. It does for a lot of people and so on. They put videos up. I'm just putting audios up. But for me, as I guess I'm in a special category of some kind or another. 
classified by some strange agency I can't get in touch with or who really rules them. Because for you out there who think that all these are independent companies, you're up a gum tree, as you used to say. There's nothing independent in all these corporations. They're all connected with each other because during the Cold War, they said they couldn't allow independent corporations to do with transmission of any kind of information to be free from governmental and CIA and NSA control. And they set up real, real companies back in the Cold War. And they still set up real companies today. If you look at the founders of even the Verachip and so on, you'll see they all work for the NSA. Back with more after these messages. This is Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just uh, rather than go into all the problems you get when you try to do this kind of show, because most folk won't believe it, so they can't imagine it, that this is sort of incessant hassles you get. And there's no complaints department. You go around in loops and circles within divisions of departments, and, uh, and of course they pass you back to the beginning. That's the technique of hoping you'll just go away basically. But I've told them already, I've told the uploaders at ExploreNet uh, that I will not go away and if they keep hassling me, I'll even if I have to use some other service or get someone else to upload, I'll dedicate a whole website to complaints about ExploreNet and put it across the planet. And it'll be the same with Yahoo as well. Yahoo, they're not scared. Yahoo isn't scared. As I say, they're funded by bigger powers than you think. They're not just a private corporation. Nothing is private here. Why do you think they can take all your data? All of them have been doing this from the beginning, including Google. There's even the CEO of Google in Britain admitting to, you know, selling all the information to the, the so-called security services of Britain whenever they're asked. No problems with that. That's why they gave you the Internet. That's why they made sure that they would control it. The big boys would control it. The small providers start up at the beginning and think they can compete, and they find out quickly that they can't. They're cut off from a whole different bunch of sources until they sell out and they're amalgamated into the big boys. What they say in business is war is business is war. The Japanese said that they learned it from the guys who'd run business for thousands of years, and it is war. It's completely ruthless. And as they say in business, there can only be one, especially in a world of international corporations supposedly all vying with each other for total power. It's no different than the fact that you're all in a world government already, whether you know it or not. You think you're losing what you had, but you're not really. You're you're just upgrading the system. The ones who own the system are upgrading their system into the next part. We've just got used to the part we've lived through. We get used to the parts, regardless of the era we live in. We get used to it. Slaves can get used to anything. If you look into the histories of Egypt, for instance, they never had slave revolts. And they ruled for thousands of years. Talking of slavery, if you look into 
the writings of the big boys, who again were all connected, just like the ones today who run the culture industry, entertainment industry, the academia. They put their professors across the main universities, who all belong to the same associations. Aldo Huxley was a member of lots of them. He knew the whole agenda back in the 1930s when he wrote Brave New World. Now, in the 30s, remember, uh, they were still running around in the biplanes. They were still using castor oil even for lubrication in some of these old planes and stuff like that. And here the he has gone into genetics and genetical engineering and creating the perfect types of uh, uh, society and the kind of perfect types for the classifications who would run and rule that society and all the lessers who would work in the different categories in that society. Again, it all ties in with predecessors, such as Karl Marx and the division of labor. What's the most painless way and equal way or best way, humane way of giving people really dirty jobs at the bottom? Well, you create the people with a very low IQ, a very little need for external stimuli, and that would be you creating the perfect worker in a humane way, you see. And the big associations who all worked together, really being one association, come out of philosophy and academia with a grounding in, in religions going way, way back, way, way back, and including how religions had already worked so well in different parts of their own histories for ruling peoples and the minds of people. And using the same principles, basically, and calling it a scientific era, but using the same learnings, techniques, and principles, they, could, they realized that they could, first of all, get society ready for this new type of genetically engineered society. You know, the world would be made the way it should have been made in the first place. That's their attitude. You see, and they had it all figured out in world meetings long before Huxley wrote his book Brave New World. But he certainly participated with a lot of the big think tanks, along with the other big players of his day, the Bertrand Russell, who also worked with the Vienna group, and they worked with the Macy group, and so on. And you've got to look into these people, because the Macy group really came over from Vienna, and they had a whole world plan for a global society with a conditioned and mind-controlled society living underneath it, oblivious to the fact that they would be ruled in in such a manner. They would think they were free. And they were given orders by the president to work on creating this global society. That is why, in the 1950s, when Norman Dodd and the Rees Commission looked into the big foundations and asked them why they were funding what appeared to be globalist, socialist, or communistic movements, the, the, it's in the official records. It's up there. Norman Dodds talks about it. There's old stuff up on Google. Uh, and Norman Dodds actually given the story himself. Uh, and he said that uh, the heads of the CEOs of the foundation said they report right to the White House. They take their orders from the White House, which threw him right off balance because the White House supposedly was serving the people 
uh, not some foundation that was funding what appeared to be communistic groups. And their function, said the CEO, was to blend the Soviet system painlessly with that of the West. But if first it so radically altered the culture of America and the Western world, that they would blend painlessly with that of the Soviet Union. A predetermined world society. And the last ones who would obviously know would be the people themselves who were just working away and playing and so on. So therefore, they decided this long before, as I say, at world meetings to do with world federalism. Uh, Durant wrote about it. He was set up. Will Durant was a front man for Rockefeller. His job was to set out a, a whole bunch of histories of the world with a particular slant intended, and he admitted this at the end because he, apparently, supposedly, he committed a suicide because of what he'd done. But he said it was to, this, this slant on history um, was to take all hope away from people that individuality I could leave the world in safety. It was to make them think that dictators and tyrants just arose spontaneously in populations and societies and slaughtered lots of people and dominated peoples for a while till another one took over somewhere else. Just happenings, you might say, in the hippie terminology. Where nothing was further from the truth, because you'll find even in ancient times the bankers funded nations to go to war. Money rules then, money rules today. And banking families are intergenerational, down through the edges, very powerful people. And as I say, Will Durant was found with his wife eventually after doing this massive compendium of histories, slanted histories on behalf and paid for totally by the Rockefeller Foundation to take the hope away from people. And he said in his, his suicide note, he said, uh, this is terrible. He says, we, have, we, are, we are taking the hope away from people, hope of creating a better world for themselves by giving them this bleak future in a slanted fashion. The idea of slanting it was so as we'd give up all our rights and allow those who are fittest to rule us to come forward and do so. Now, the Trilateral Commission, it comes from Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute of International Affairs are all one big group with special departments within it, many special departments within it. Professor Carl Quigley, the historian for the group, wrote Tragedy and Hope. You will never understand the missing pieces and the whys of history unless you read his book Tragedy and Hope and his other book called The Anglo-American Establishment. Their idea was not only to to put spearhead British-style Commonwealth countries across the world and dominate them and change the culture to adopt the same system, but also to set them up to amalgamate into bigger and bigger unions. The whole idea of taking over and creating an area called Rhodesia and it also, and then taking over South Africa by causing a war, and they admit they brought on the war as a ruse to get the British public and the British government to finance it, sending in troops. And they did. They sent in raiders 
the Jameson Raiders into um, South Africa, killed a whole bunch of the Boers, had their own reporter because they owned the newspapers in London, and the reporter mailed back that the Boers had attacked and slaughtered whites, which was completely untrue. It was the other way around. And, of course, the British government says, oh, dear, dear, and there was, as, there were, as they waited for this, you see, we, uh, we've got no option but to go in and take this over and deal with it. That's how they work. But as they would use even white peoples to rule over an area for a while, and the boys they served, because, you see, the part of the group of the Royal Institute for International Affairs was the Milner Group, and they were all international bankers. They also decided that they would look to those countries and when they served their purposes, they'd, they'd eliminate the white populations and unite the whole of Africa, but still rule it back after this break. Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, just briefly touching on a bit of the way this, op- or a, uh, one technique in how this operate, the system operates, this group operates down through time, and it's well catalogued, as I say, through Quigley himself, and uh, and many other other books out there, uh, giving you other bits and pieces of it. But for the for the whole lot, really, you, you can't go past uh, tragedy and hope and the Anglo-American establishment that outlines the whole plan. And they set up a whole bunch of front organizations for world government under many names, World Citizenship Association, uh, British Israel Association, um, the World Federalists Association, and I think it was even Dan, or not Dan, rather, one of the big guys, Cronkite, I think, was a member of the World Federalists, and there's a video up there on YouTube where he's been given some award at the end when he retired. So these characters are the ones who give you your news all the time. Rollins, you have international affairs, dash, comes from foreign relations. They own the media. All the big players and moguls are members of this. To control the mind, you must control information that goes to the mind. You must feed the programs that go to the mind so you will come to the conclusions they want you to come to. That's continuous, ongoing. And you cannot have real, really independent mainstream media uh, going their own direction. It could never be allowed to happen. Couldn't be allowed to happen. Remember, everything is licensed too. And the reasons for licensing has to make sure, as they say themselves, you toe the line. I should also mention too that, be careful as well, they get, the guys also control the information that's put out for you to follow to complain about, even in what you think is the, the patriot movement. When everything's released, everything's released to the general public by these organizations, you can't believe a thing they tell you, unless you understand their language. And I really mean understand their language. And their techniques, which they admit, and quickly goes through their techniques. They thrive on deception. They thrive on conflict. They cannot get their program through without shake-ups and conflict. It's essential for them to go this, to get forward with this agenda. They always say they can turn any crisis into an opportunity 
for their agenda. They say this openly, time after time after time. And they don't go this far to give it all up at the end. If they say they're losing control, they're lying again. Now, there's two callers in the line. I'll take them first because I'm hanging on before I continue and tie it in with the present day as to what's happening. There's Rico from Toronto. Are you there, Rico? Are you Alan? Yes. How are you? Not so bad. I have a question for you. Um, and I don't know if you, you get questions like this one uh, before, but I, 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 my question is, is, is it even kind of worth it I'm like, I'm, I'm at the age right now where all my friends are, you know, getting properties, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm paying for them, getting mortgages, all that stuff. Yep. Is it even worth it to look to get that if later on their plan is to take it away from you? Why, when we get slapped in the face time after time with bank crashes at least twice every century, that's standard, uh, recessions in between, uh, mortgage failure, failures. Uh, why do we keep, why do we keep throwing money into black holes to keep the same system going when it's never worked on behalf and to the benefit of the public? The public have been, the public really don't figure this out. They, they, they take it for granted that this benevolent government that they have allows it to keep going because it will rectify itself. Never in the history of banking has it rectified itself uh, and stopped crashes and stopped ripping off the public twice in every century. Uh, So we never learn. Now, part of their mandate is the end of private property. There are many ways to bring this about over a period of time. It depends on the particular dates they have set to end it all or phase it in. And uh, But that's a definite mandate from the UN all right down. It's the end of private property. It's through all the world manifestos. And yet we still fall into the same trap, giving us ourselves the sense of security that we actually own something. Because somewhere in the deep recesses of our intellect, if we've got any left at all, has come through unscathed from the indoctrination in the public school system, uh, somewhere we, we, we realize that if, you've no, if you own nothing, you're at the mercy of someone else, you see. And you own nothing even when you buy your property. If you buy a spade, I don't get conditions with the spade that an inspector can come in to inspect my spade, uh, measure it, and tax me on it. He doesn't come in and say, you can't use it in sand, you can only use it in gravel. Uh, and stuff like that, you see. No, someone else owns that spade if that's the case. I don't own it. You either own something outright or you don't. And we go through this illusion that we are buying our houses. Now, you go into any lawyer's office in Canada or the States or Britain or any of the Commonwealth countries, and you will find when you get a little fast-talking guy, sign this, sign that. No, you go through all the stuff they ask you to sign. And you will see that you're put down as tenant, not owner. A tenant is not an owner. You reside there, and therefore the owner can tax you. The crown in Canada is the owner. Hold on, I'll be back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, and we're talking to Rico from Toronto, who's asking about, is it worthwhile trying to make a place for yourself really in this life by using the system? And I'm explaining uh, really what the system is, because there's nothing really in this life that you're allowed to own outright under this particular system. And the definition of owning something, it means it's yours. No one can take it from you. If they take it from you, it's called stealing. It doesn't matter if they change the terminology and say we're putting a lien on it because you haven't paid taxes. Uh, If you have to pay taxes, you're paying a rent. In other words, it's called extortion. It's an extortion racket. If you own something and you own a home, You should have perfect safety and peace and privacy and security in that home from all outsiders and all so-called government agencies of all kinds. You should be able to survive through a depression and unemployment without being kicked out of your home because the government has decided you owe them rent, which is called taxes. So we are very, very confused with the terminology we're given because most folk take things for granted. It sounds nice, buy your home. If you can afford to play the game and you are well employed and generally work for government, you're pretty secure. You can maybe own it for a while and resell it and recoup some cash. But if you're on the bottom level, uh, you're at the mercy of the whims of a controlled a manipulated market run by very clever people who know when to crash it and reap the benefits. I've done it so many times over and over. So understand what you're, what you're saying. Um, you still have to live through this life. It's going to be here. There's always been the dominant minority, the same dominant minority. It's going to be here for the whole of your life. How would you get through it? I tell people, if you're going to buy a home because you do know the histories of this racket, uh, then buy something that's cheap enough. Don't repair it, and and don't be don't put so much money or work into it that you're afraid to walk away from it because you might have to walk away from it one day. That's my advice. Well, thank you. That's a very complete answer. And I, I think it, it's it, this question is also because um, a lot of people, you know, what I mean, feel like um, my sister. She tells me all the time, you know, uh, if you the information that you, for example, that you that you exposed to, that you know, that you read, mm-hmm. that you you'll stay very kind of broke because you don't fit in the system. You don't yeah. you don't go along to get along. You're you're aware. Your eyes are open to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Your motivations are not yeah. like everybody else, which is like I want to get this just to to play the game. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That's right. You, you can do, uh, always look after yourself knowing what the history of whatever you're doing has done in the past. And just the recent past as well, uh, it's happened again. And the guys who do it get rewarded for ripping you off. And nothing goes to money heaven. It doesn't disappear. Real estate is exchanged uh, from people who thought they owned it to ones who now do own it. That's money heaven when they collapse the market. And uh, they, they always benefit. Then they get rewarded for ripping off the public because, you see, they also rule. The same bankers and so on rule the governments. 
You see, you cannot have a separate banking system and a world society of control and commerce all separate from each other. They're all the one system, and that's the key to it. Thank you so much. I'll let somebody else get on the line. Thanks for calling. And it's such a deep topic and so much history behind it, but that's really what it is. And it's hard for people to get through that because the conditioning, most folk, and this is good what Jack C. Lowell said, he said, you know, if you want to know what people want, just look at what all the other people are doing. They all do the same things and they all want the same things because they're told to do and want the same things. They don't stop and think for themselves. And therefore they repeat the same things over and over. And we're expected to, to believe uh, that um, governments just relax all the rules on the free market like Maggie Thatcher did and so on and other ones and somehow uh, it, it manages itself, they said like like the greediest psychopaths on the planet who run the system will suddenly become benevolent and, and no, no, no no, they stay sharks but they become bigger sharks that's what it allowed them to do and this whole crash was manipulated not just for profit and for more power, that's part of it. But this whole crash was manipulated to move the whole of the world society into a new system of more control under this world centralized banking system. And it's working. And the general public, it's like it says in the, the old New Testament, or the New Testament, and many other holy books, uh, right to the end, they'll be getting in marriage and partying and boozing it up like nothing's happening because they never learn. And that's so true. So true. They, they always want to believe their masters are benevolent and, and want to take care of them. Well, I'll tell that to all the thousands that are still losing their homes in the States and elsewhere. And they're getting kicked off into the streets. Now we'll go to uh, this um, Zach in New England. Yeah, there, Zach. Yeah, uh, I am here. I was just uh, listening to your response there. It's amazing the clarity that you uh, you present in your opening talks. You know, a, a big picture presentation, and then the last answer you gave about the housing situation. It was the same amount of clarity for a small subject. I, I hope to be as efficient in my words. But uh, anyway, what you're saying about benevolent rulers, I was. Uh, looking at Plato's Republic there, and uh, it reminded me of the Frazi Marcus, his, uh, his view of injustice being better than justice, and it pretty much sums it up with the benevolent, benevolent rulers, you know, the mm-hmm. people that definitely are preying on those that, you know, think yeah. that we have altruistic rulers, and we really don't. When you look at the psychopathic personality and there's that very good book out there. It's called Political Ponderology about the study of psychopaths and how they rule societies because they crave power and they're born within every generation. And if you, if you look at the average history of a particular psychopath, you can pick a criminal or whatever who's been caught at something. They love to boast about what they did once they're caught because they're egocentric. The, 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 the world spins around them. Uh, they're ultra-confident, but they never admit that they did anything wrong. They always blame the victims. They literally, if they rape, if it's a serial rapist who gets off on, on the power uh, over others, uh, they will actually tell you 
that uh, the victims, in, in a sense, demanded that they get raped. They could never blame themselves for anything they do. Never. And when you look at these big professors uh, that talk um, to the big groups that change your culture and manage your culture and work at Berkeley and MIT and, and literally direct the culture towards this path we're on, they talk with the exact same confidence. Uh, some of them, uh, like Brockman, admits it's, yeah, they flooded the U.S. with LSD and the whole uh, free love stuff and marriage and just do as you want. Uh, and all the fallout and chaos from that and folk going crazy and shooting people and killing each other and drowning themselves and walking out of buildings, that's, well, that's unfortunate. They don't even discuss that because they're psychopaths, you see. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's some amount of optimism there in, in your opening uh, uh, talk where you, you mentioned Will Durant and how he, yep. you know, had some, you know, Regret or grief over, you know, knowing the big picture and. Yeah. Well, he was found in his hotel. He was found in his hotel and uh, he'd regretted what he did. He left a suicide note. His wife and he were both dead uh, after completing this massive compendium. And he wrote to every world leader at the time with the same letter. I've got copies of it here. It's even in one of his, the books that are published at the end. And he said, yeah, he said, he says, the group I work for are bringing no hope whatsoever into the world of humankind. He knew that the work he'd been doing was to convince humankind that they themselves were hopeless and always in danger from each other unless they were ruled by those that were fittest. And so he'd lied to the public. He spent years taking big money to do all this stuff and set up the World Federalists as well. He was approached to be the spokesman for them. And uh, he, realized, he wrote to Stalin, he wrote to, wrote to Churchill, he wrote to the, all the big leaders admitting they'd basically fudged all the work on behalf of the Rockefeller Foundation and the globalists that wanted to bring this world society with benevolent dictators. Yeah. Hey, I, I had a, a strange moment yesterday uh, just normal living, I suppose. Uh, my brother just came out of a, a relationship like like me. It was long term, but uh, anyway, he he's been seeing this other girl, and and we both uh, live with my parents for a, a short time here. But anyway, uh, my mom was getting upset with my brother, but for the fact that he wouldn't call this girl that he was seeing his girlfriend, even though he'd spend the night at her place. And so, you know, she she told me, "Did you hear me tell Jack, you know, this or that?" And and uh, she she went to uh, uh, do something else. And and when she left, uh, my dad came in to talk to me and said, "Geez, you know, if she only knew the stuff that I dealt with on a regular basis, he he works for Department of Education in the state of Maine, mm-hmm. and he he told me about uh, all the the cases he hears of of." Uh, erotic play between the young kids there you know he said some story of one he heard today on the bus that i didn't ask him to repeat but i thought geez that's exactly right out of aldous huxley's brave new world it is really scary like they really are destroying the bonds of you know any chance for people to have you know kids and you I don't got know it what you're talking about the the money system i mean i've had quite a few relationships that were well i don't know 
three or so that were two years plus and in a different system, I, I kind of think, well, geez, you know, I should really have kids from any one of those relationships or still be in them. Mm-hmm. And just by the basis of we have a monetary system where, you know, people pit, put off their futures, yep. you know. Yeah, you postpone, you postpone the future. And yeah. It never takes off the ground. Yeah. And that's what uh, Charles Galton Darwin said in his book, The Next Million Years. If we can convince the public to forgo families and, and buy the car instead and the goodies, uh, then that, that will stop them from having children. So, so materialism was to be replaced by it. But they also had big groups working, especially during the drug era and so on, working on this very thing of uh, separating emotional bonding from the sexual act and that was to get mandated by teaching it in school and causing obsessional fixations, neurotic fixations on sexual gratification without bonding. And that's that's what you're seeing today. It's through every um, uh, so-called rock musical or pop or whatever you want to call it today, uh, it's, it's just uh, m- no melody music, but uh, when you see the females are putting out there into erotica, and now you've got children uh, at, at eight years old trying to dance like them and, and gesticulate like strippers, they're already being trained for their for their brave new world roles. Yeah. Pretty sick. Well, you mentioned music, and I don't want to you know hold up the line too long, but. Uh... I, there was a, a song from uh, a British folk group that I liked. It was a good music video. But one of the, the lines in it uh, said something like, uh, uh, and you pray to a God to whom you never believed. And and there's uh, a new, uh, not a new guy, but uh, somebody new to my particular line of work who's been traveling with us because we have another one that's out for surgery. And so the the channel for the music is on pop music mm-hmm. and one of the lines from a mainstream song now is very similar uh, and they they repeat they repeat pray to a god you don't believe in mm-hmm. which is very similar to that same lyric from you know two or three years ago from england yeah. it might have been more than that mm-hmm. but that's classic double speak double think bringing yeah. in a scientific dictatorship if you will because they're they're already saying in the in the song, you don't believe in God. Yeah, and and they're always programming you, programming you. Pro- As I say, if you look into start with um, the Vienna group and the Vienna Circle, it was also a musical group. They're doing experimental mu- music from the late 1800s into the early 1900s. Then they combined with the philosophical groups, and then they also created. Um, the the movements, the Frankfurt group, that decided to use art, music, and psychology and philosophy mixed together with the precision of wording, word precision of mind control wording from the actual Vienna group itself running the, the lyrics. That hasn't changed today. And also with incredible use of symbology, the incredible use of symbology as a language, a definite mental language, which we all subconsciously understand it programs them as subconsciously and doesn't it doesn't come into our consciousness that we've even been programmed but this is a it's the stacks of stuff out there on these particular groups and they were brought into the u.s in the 1930s and given presidential um, rights through the macy group to form and take over and create the american culture of the future a lot of them belong to the oss 
They then transformed into the CIA, still working with the same groups. And that's why they, they published that book too. That only goes up to 1967 about America's, um, how the CIA controlled America's culture during the Cold War. It was all these groups that gave you a culture. They brought in the drugs with the permission of the government and the big pharma companies that made those drugs, LSD and so on. And uh, they also were given millions and millions of dollars to train specific people to be the first stars. Their job was to make them stars with unlimited funding. People who could never make a dime on the street with a guitar and a hat were to be made stars. But as long as they followed the orders and sang about the things and brought in the sex and the free love and all this stuff uh, into into it, the stuff was all written for them. Theo Adorno was a big player with the Frankfurt Group. In his work with the Beatles, there he owns he owns the he owned the rights of all the Beatles songs, and when he died, it went up for auction, and Michael Jackson competed with uh, Paul McCartney for the, the titles, and Jackson won out. And I read recently when that, uh, Jackson died, I suppose that the Beatles um, rights the titles will be going up for sale again. I don't know what's happened or who's bought them. Hmm. Anyway. Uh I, uh, it's, it's a pretty hopeless picture, <laughs> you know, that, uh, I don't know, it's... It's, it's a total... Well, I know that yeah. I've been, you know, mind-bombed with, you know, the chemtrails and Ritalin yeah. as a kid and everything else, and, you know, I, I try to cling to hope that, you know, by solving, you know, getting into this stuff that, you know, m- maybe, maybe you can... You know, there's, there's hope, there's hope, but you've got to understand the enemy no matter how, how painful it is. I'll back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. It's overwhelming to people when they haven't really studied at all, and even once you study a lot of it, it still seems overwhelming, but you've got to break through the conditioning that you've had a system. That's my whole point here, that, that you've had a system that served you. You've never had a system that served you. It never existed. And the greatest trick is to train peoples into nations and then, then tell them that they have a nation. Well, if you have a nation, once again, you have right to, to this and a right to that and private property, and you, but you don't. Your government then comes in, it tells you they don't serve you at all. They order you, they dictate to you, but they don't serve you. When they can tell you to go off and fight in some war that they've uh, planned on, that they're going to, a lot of their boys will profit on, you don't have a nation. No, you're serving a private business here. But the best the best person to work in such a, a system is a good slave who really thinks that they're fighting for themselves. And the slaves don't like being upgraded into the next pasture because you got used to the pasture you're in, because you're left at a certain amount of freedoms to, to play yourself in your spare time. Lots of entertainment, bread and circuses, like never before, that's what we've got now. That's why we've got so much like never before now. But you look at the, the countries that were set up to be the test beds for all of this, the ones that pushed the very foundation of this global society. Look at England. 
It's an article, Nine Bin Nightmare, Families Forced to Follow Green Zealot's New Recycling Dictats. Dictats, 24th of April, 2010. You've got nine things to sort out in nine separate bags now. Or you get £2,000 of a fine if you don't. You work for them. They don't, you see, you're, you're working for private business. You're doing the recycling. You're sorting it all out. The companies get their factories built to recycle all the plastics by government grants, which is your tax money again. You're working for free. And you can't figure that simple thing out. Here's, that's Britain, as I say, the, the, the home of democracy. Remember the UN said they based their system for world government on the, the British Commonwealth. Parents of under five-year-olds face nanny state home inspections from the government to keep the children safe. A new law that just passed 18th of May 2010 for Britain. Your private property, the state's coming in there to make sure that the children are, are going to be safe in your house. And that you've got thermal safety stops and so on and all the, the water supply so this little child won't scald itself and all this stuff. Special stairs, gates and locks and medicines and stuff like that. Inspections, inspections, inspections. That is your benevolent dictatorship run by control freaks. And they keep creating more and more jobs for their family members who all have a psychopathic control freak gene in them. There's no end to this. Do you realize you cannot fix a system that has gone this far, that even has lots of thousands of families now that put mandatory cameras in their homes so government agencies can watch you? You can't fix the system. You can't negotiate with these people. You understand? You can't do it. It's beyond repair. And it's non-negotiable. What's left to lose? From Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.